Children are dismissed. What an incredibly inspiring time of worship that was this morning. Thank you so much, Jason. If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Acts, Acts, the seventh chapter. Now, we are studying Exodus, and I'm not confused of where I want you to go. Paul actually talks about Moses. As we begin this series on Exodus, and we kind of work through Exodus, I'm really focusing on the life of Moses. There's at least five different uh, characteristics in the life of Moses that I want us to grab as a people as we look at how we can live our lives uh, in a godly fashion uh, with character. Uh, so we're going to look at the character of Moses as we engage Exodus. Now, <clears throat> what I'm sharing with you this morning is based on the first three chapters of Exodus, and we'll look at chapter 3 in just a moment. But I want you to get a little bit of the life of Moses uh, out of Paul's writings in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, the seventh chapter, Paul writes about Moses and uses him as an understanding for us all uh, to look into his life and into his character as to how we should all be. And there's some fascinating things about uh, Moses that are going to come to light that I think may uh, be new for you. If they're not new for you, hopefully they'll remind you of the greatness of Moses and the, the way he lived his life. But we tend to look at Moses' life and see this greatness without looking at the road that he traveled to get to the greatness. And it's, in fact, that's one of the things that I really do want to point out to you. Now, when I was growing up, uh, there was tracks that we would take uh, to uh, share the faith with people. And Billy Graham had a track, uh, The Four Spiritual Laws is what it was called. And, and, and it was uh, a way that you could share your faith with people. And as I was learning that track, one of the things, one of the first things that that track would point out was that God has a plan for your life. And that's really what I want to hone in for you this morning as we look at the life of Moses, that God really does have a plan for you. There's, there is a purpose for your life. There's nobody within the sound of my voice who does not have a plan and a purpose that God has put into your life. And the question always becomes, what is that plan and what is that purpose? And what I want us to look at as we look at the life of Moses is that sometimes that plan takes a while to come uh, into existence for us, uh, for us to be able to see it and for us to be able to, uh, to put it into place. There's some of us that find that plan out very early in our life. Nothing wrong with that. It's a wonderful thing if you know what God has in store for you and you're studying and preparing yourself for it, that's great. Uh, it, it's very possible that God could be doing that in, in the life of a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 20-year-old. But I also want to point out to those who are 30 and 40 
50 or 60 that God is not finished with you yet and that God may still be refining in your life the purpose that he has for you. Uh, there's some of us that get to the 40s and 50s or 60s or we get married and we have children and we think, oh, well, whatever God wanted to do with me, that's totally changed now. And nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, God still has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he's using whatever circumstances that have been brought into your life, whether good or bad, to prepare you for that purpose that he has. You may be in the midst of it, uh, of that purpose. You may not be sure what that purpose is, or you may uh, be in, in a situation where you think there's no way he has a purpose, and I can promise you he still does. It is never too late to find your purpose. It's never too late to get better at the purpose that he has prepared for you. Now Moses, like I told you, is one of the most prominent figures in all of Scripture. He's mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Almost every scholar gives him credit for writing the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are almost always associated with Moses as being the principal author. There are some people who try to discredit that and say that that's probably not true, but most scholars will give him the credit. Sometimes people will say, well, Moses couldn't have written it because he talked about himself in the Scripture. And you need to understand that when Scripture was being authored, as God was the author of it and using humans to, to dictate and to write his word as he was giving it to them through the power of the Holy Spirit, that sometimes other people would come in and add some words to it. For instance, in, in the first five books of the Bible, in fact, in Exodus, you'll find that Moses uh, talks about himself and calls himself like a, a, a handsome man and a good man. And some people will say, oh, Moses would have never written that. Possibly true that Moses didn't write those things, but it's possibly true that one of his scribes did put that in there for him. There's also some uh, chapters at the end of Moses where things happen after Moses had passed away. Well, how could Moses have written that? Well, again, the scribes who were translating and helping uh, Moses write those words would possibly and probably have been the ones to have written those last chapters of things that happened after Moses had passed away. But almost all of biblical scholars will give all the credit of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy to Moses as the author. <clears throat> now, those first five books of the Scripture are called the Pentateuch. Uh, big fancy word that means five scrolls or five books. Penta meaning five and two meaning scrolls or books. Uh, the name Moses means drawn out, and you can understand where that word comes from if you know much about the Bible because you know that God will use Moses to draw out God's people from the land of Egypt. Now, also, uh, the first five books of the Bible are sometimes known as the Torah, the books of the law, because within these books you will find almost all the moral laws that God has placed before his people. The Ten Commandments are in there and all the things of how we as believers are supposed to live our life. And it was before Christ came to the scene, and before any of that had happened, we had this morality of Ten Commandments and other things 
that God had given us to help us know how we were supposed to live our life in service to the king. Now Moses was the man that was chosen by God. He was chosen to deliver his people out of bondage. Moses was going to deliver the Israelites out of the bondage of the Egyptians. That's what he was created for. That was his purpose in life. That was God's plan for Moses. But you will be fascinated to see how Moses' life uh, takes twists and turns, leading to the place where Moses will be the one who draw, uh, draws the people out and leads the people out of uh, the Egyptians. Uh, God used Moses, like I said, to write these first five books. Uh, they, they are uh, unbelievable to us as we can understand them as to how God uses Moses and how he uses Moses' life uh, to be a, a guidepost for us. In fact, I, I want you and I to look at three things uh, from the incredible life of Moses that show that he really does have a plan for you, and he really does have a plan for me. Now, if you're in Acts, the seventh chapter, uh, I want to read just the first few verses here. It will kind of help you to understand a little bit about the life of Moses. And now each Sunday when we engage Exodus and look at the life of Moses, we will share with you a little bit about the history of uh, Exodus and look at the history of Moses and kind of where he's coming from. So in this seventh chapter of Acts, you're going to find almost kind of like the bedrock foundation of some of the study we're going to do as we go back and forth between Exodus and, and Acts, looking at the life of Moses. Now, in Acts, the seventh chapter, the 20th verse, it says this, <clears throat> At that time Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for in his father's house. Now, why was he cared for in his father's house? Well, most of you are very familiar with the biblical edict, uh, edict that the Egyptians had put forth that the firstborn male was going to be killed uh, because the king, the Egyptian king, the Pharaoh, uh, was scared that somebody was going to come take over his reign. And so the best way to make sure that that wasn't going to happen was that all male children were going to be killed. And so when uh, Moses' mother uh, birthed him, she hid him, knowing that his life was in danger. And so it says in verse 20, at that time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for in his father's house. And he was, when he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Now most of you, again, that are familiar with the Bible story know that Moses' mother placed him in a basket, set him in a river to hopefully get him out where he would be protected, that his life wouldn't be in danger. And lo and behold, who did God have discover Moses? Well, the Pharaoh's daughter. And the Pharaoh's daughter took the baby Moses and raised him as her own child. Changed the direction of his life forever, but also changed the direction of the Egyptian people forever and changed the Israelites' direction forever. All because of God's purpose and plan. Now look at verse 21. It says, when he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Wow. 
in three verses, you have summarized, or God has summarized through uh, the breath and writing of Paul, Moses' life uh, coming up to a, a young adult man. So here's Moses who was born. His life was in danger. His mother protected him, uh, put him in a basket in the river. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter discovered him, treated him like her own child, and then he's educated in, in uh, the Egyptian way, which was the penultimate way to be educated when Moses was born. So he had all the finest schooling, everything that could have benefited Moses' life was given to him, and it's all outlined in those first three verses. Now let me share with you the first thing that we can learn from looking at the life of Moses, this incredible life about how God really does has a, have a plan for you and for me. Listen, the first thing I want to make sure you understand from these first three verses in Acts is that everything in your life has been preparing you for a call. You, you see, when you look at these first three verses, you will discover that everything that's been happening in Moses' life has been preparing him for the day that God would place a calling on his life. Now, look at the birth of Moses. Uh, he was born into slavery. He, he was an Israelite, born in a, into an Egyptian community where the Egyptians were the rulers and the Israelites were the slaves. And so Moses was born into slavery. He didn't have uh, this immediate birth to where everything was handed to him on a silver spoon and everything was going to be great. In fact, for the first three months of his life, he was hidden because his life was in danger. And so Moses wasn't born into this great uh, uh, position in life. Uh, God gave it to him, but he wasn't born into it. He was born into slavery. But then you look at what happens. Uh, his mother takes him, his, not his birth mother, but the Pharaoh's daughter takes him and, and treats him as her own. And then she has uh, given him the education, uh, the most powerful education that could be given to anybody. Moses is brought into that kind of a lifestyle where this incredible education comes. But then Moses has a struggle. And, and this is kind of what I want you to understand as we look through the expanse of Moses' life and, and we look at the understanding that, that God has a purpose for him. Because there's a tendency to say, oh, well, Moses was born into slavery. He was, he was hidden for three months, but then his mother did this incredible thing by giving up her son hoping that something wonderful would happen to him. Sure enough, it does. Pharaoh's daughter takes him, and, and she takes him as her own, and, and then he's educated. Uh, so he spends his teenage years being educated by the finest teachers and philosophers that the world has known, and then everything's perfect, right? Uh, all good things happen to Moses, and nothing bad has ever come his way again. Not true. Because Moses goes through a struggle. Look at verse 23. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. And he saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and he avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Oh my goodness. So Moses's, Moses didn't lead this perfect life. It, it wasn't all just 
handed to him after he was three months old. It didn't all go just great uh, by the book, everything like, like we would have expected it to be because of who we know Moses to be and the outcome we know of Moses' life. No, it didn't happen that way. Because, see, when he was a young man, 40 years old, uh, he, he's visiting his people. He knows his people are the Israelites. He's not been hidden from, that's not been hidden from him. And he knows them. And he sees this opportunity uh, to, to love his people, show his people, uh, even though he's been uh, educated by the Egyptians and been raised by them, he has this chance now, because of his status in life, to do something spectacular for an Israelite who he is one of. He, he gets that chance to do something. And what does he do? Well, instead of... Uh, Stepping in instead of separating, instead of doing something that might seem more uh, plausible to you and to me, he takes the opportunity to avenge the Egyptian and take care of the Israelite by killing the Egyptian. And look what happens here. It says, he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. And Moses thought his own, oh, look at that. Verse 25. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Wait a second. This is not the Moses we knew. This is not the Moses that we've been taught about all our life. This is not the Moses who seemed to have had the perfect life from the time he was born. He was protected for those first three months. Then he was brought into the house of the Pharaoh to be raised, and then he was educated by the Egyptians, and then he lived to be 40 years old and was doing great things, and God had just blessed him. He's different than us, right? His, his life has been blessed. That's not my life. I've never had that kind of luck in my life. My life has never gone that way. It's not always been peachy king like Moses was. But wait a second. Moses didn't live a peachy keen life. It didn't all go his way. Not everything was cooking the way we think it's cooking. In fact, when he takes a life, Moses thinks now all the Israelites will realize who I am and how God has favored me and how God has watched over me. And now they will see me for who I am, somebody who can protect them, somebody who can step in and do great things for them. But what it says here in Scripture is Moses thought his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue him, them, but they did not. You, you get this image, and you, you can kind of infer here that the people, the Israelites, looked at Moses and went, yeah. You've had it all your life. Everything good has come your way. And you step in to try and help us, but we really don't want your help. You're, you're not the person uh, that we want helping us. We, we don't want you right now. And you can imagine Moses being crushed. I, I don't know exactly what was going on. You, you have to infer it. You have to kind of read into here. But th there's, there's a certain aspect of what you see in Moses' life here where you think he probably thought, man, I'm just a little bit better than everybody else. And, you know, I've been trained a little bit better than everybody else. 
I've been, I've been raised a little bit better than everybody else. And so I can help people a little bit better than everybody else. Problem is, the Israelites, who God wanted them to help, didn't see it that way. And they didn't believe it that way. And so Moses, in everyday terms that we would understand, got kicked in the gut. And it didn't go the way that he thought it would. <clears throat> Look at verse 26. The next day Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting, and he tried to recon reconcile them by saying, Hey men, you guys are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you the ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, listen to this. When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. Now, the next verse is going to astonish you. Because the next verse says this in verse 30. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of the burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. I, it's one of the things I, I love about Scripture because we've read about seven or eight verses and we've looked at 80 years of Moses' life. And we've been taught so much because here's Moses who, who has been shown favor no doubt about it, been shown favor by God. But in the midst of being shown favor, most of us would uh, qualify that with he got a little bit too big for his britches. And then he stepped in thinking that he was doing something for God and thinking that the people of Israel would love him for stepping in and, and kind of taking control of the situation, and they didn't respect him at all. They didn't think much of him at all. And in fact, when he, when he tried to break up a fight between two fellow Israelites, they said, are you going to kill us like you killed the other guy? And you can see Moses' heart just get squeezed to nothing by this conversation of two Israelites. You see... I, I want you to understand that everything that's happening in your life has been preparing you. Look at the birth of Moses, the education of Moses, yes, the struggle of Moses, and now you're going to find the re-education of Moses. Because for the next 40 years of Moses' life, God is going to re-educate him and bring him into a place where this call that's been placed on his life is now ready to be used. And what Moses is going to get a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of is that he needs to be humble and that he needs to be listening for God's call in his life, not making it up himself. You know, I, I, I think about us, I, I think about how we live our lives and 
me included uh, with you and everybody else that there's so many times when we think to be out front and center is what God has called us to do. And we're not being useful for God unless God has called us out to be front and center of people. But what Moses, who certainly was front and center of people uh, later in his life, after 80 years of his life, he became front and center. But for 40 years, you know what he did for those 40 years? When God took him and he fled and he went to Midian, you know what he did for 40 years? He tended sheep. He was a shepherd. Nothing fancy. Uh, certainly uh, not known among the people, you know, as doing anything spectacular. Uh, for 40 years, he, he just got, he got married, had a couple of kids, and watched sheep. And God, the whole time, begin to mold him and prepare him and make him. What do you think God was teaching him that whole time he was just in the backgrounds loving sheep, watching sheep, protecting sheep? Well, I, I mean, you, can, you, you don't need me to verbalize those things for you. You can understand that yourself, all the things that God was doing during those 40 years. I mean, preparing to deal with loneliness knowing that he's got to make sure that all the sheep are fed before he's fed, the protection that's involved. I, it's just enormous the amount of lessons that God must be teaching Moses in those 40 years. And you have to think, part of you has to think that God was helping him to understand that those struggles that he had in his past, even though he was, he was very well learned by the Egyptians and then he kind of came into this situation where he thought, man, I, I, I'm a big shot. I can do some things for my Israelites. In fact, let me show, I'll kill an Egyptian to show them that I'm one of them, that I am their man. And it blew up in his face. In fact, he, he became a wanted man. They were looking for him. That's one of the reasons he fled to Midian was for 40 years. He needed to kind of be out of that situation, out of that country. So think about those things that are happening. So here's Moses who's, who's led his life for 40 years. Seemingly some good things have happened. And then here's Moses who's led his life for 40 more years after some bad things have happened. And God is working on his heart. Now, here's the deal. Be sure you look at this. For those first 40 years of Moses' life, was God working on his heart, preparing him? Absolutely. So when Moses killed an Egyptian and did some things that God didn't want him to do, was God working on his heart still? Absolutely. Was he going to use those things for God's greater glory? Absolutely. And for the next 40 years, when Moses was just kind of an anonymous person, taking care of sheep and getting married and raising kids, was God still preparing him? Absolutely. 
probably the most important thing that I can share with you that this scripture is pointing out to you and to me this morning is this. Your past should never define you. Your past should never define you, but it should refine you for what God wants to do with you. Listen to me. Man, there, there is people all within the sound of my voice, me included this morning, who have some scarred past. You, you've struggled with a divorce or you've struggled with adultery or you've struggled with finances or you've struggled with your education or you've struggled with this or that or another. And let me tell you something. The God we worship can take that struggle that has happened in your life and he can put it in your past and he can refine you from that past, not define you with it, but refine you from it and bring you into his purpose in life. Nothing more powerful that I can say to you this morning that God can say through me is that God can take your past and he can let it refine you to a purpose for your life to serve him today. There's too many of you, sometimes me included, that believe that our past has to define us. And I'm telling you, because of the grace and mercy and love of God, your past does not have to define you. Your past can be a jumping off place for the purpose that God has for you in life. And that's great news. That is absolutely great news. It's happened to all of us. Look, if we could only use, if God could only use perfect people, if Holly Springs only allowed perfect people to be used in ministry, we would not have a ministry. There would be nothing for us to do because no one in this room is perfect. The scripture says it and I believe it because I know you. You can laugh, I know you. And you know me. You don't have a perfect pastor. You don't have a perfect worship pastor. You don't have a perfect youth pastor. You don't have anybody that works here that's perfect. You just have people who have been forgiven and who are allowing their past not to be definitions of who they can be in the future. And that's what we want for all of you too. We, we don't want your past to define you. That's the incredible good news of Moses' life here in the book of Acts and in the book of Exodus is that you don't have to let your past define you. You know, you, you may have not been, uh, had the best health in your life. Uh, you, you may not be the most handsome or the most beautiful, but that doesn't define who you are. Listen, the, the greatest thing I can tell you is that Webster's Dictionary doesn't define who you are. God defines who you are. And he says that you are his child and he loves you and he will use you if you will allow him to.
contribution. Listen, the second thing I want to share with you is this. God will wait for you as he prepares you. Let me say that again. God's going to wait for you as he prepares you. What, what he's looking for you to have is humility and, and to place your trust in him. That's what he was doing with Moses for 40 years. Now, flip back to Exodus. Flip back to the book of Exodus, to the third chapter. What you're going to find here in the third chapter is just where we finished off in Acts, uh, the seventh chapter. This is the story that Paul is telling because Moses has uh, uh, seen God in the burning bush. And uh, Moses now is, is uh, spent 40 years uh, tending sheep and, and learning to be a shepherd and learning to be humble. And uh, learning that, that God will use him despite his past. And so look at verse 7 in, in uh, chapter 3 of Exodus. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the uh, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry, to, cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So what's going on here is God has now come to Moses after 40 years and said, you thought, that you were going to save the Egyptians. But you thought you were going to save them one at a time. Uh, kill one, uh, or uh, save the Israelites. You thought you were going to do, do that by killing the, uh, the Egyptians, but you were doing it one at a time. And I'm here to tell you that we're going to take them all at once. Well, this was not Moses' plan. Moses' plan was, hey, probably one at a time if I pick off the Egyptians, uh, the Israelites will like me and I will gain favor in, in the sight of God. And God was going, nope, that's not the plan. The plan is we're going to save everybody all at the same time. Well, that's a way bigger plan than Moses had. We'll talk about that in just a second. But look at what's being said here uh, in verse 11. Because what, what, what you need to, to understand here is that Moses all this time now has flipped. Remember, I, we all think from reading the scripture, for the most part, that, hum, uh, that uh, Moses was struggling with humility. Okay? So God comes and says, here's what we're going to do. I've waited long enough now. I've been preparing you long enough. You've, you've been in preparation for 40 years, prepared to do my work. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring the Israelites out, and we're going to give them the land of milk and honey. And so verse 10 in, in chapter 3 of Exodus says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people and the Israelites out of Egypt. What happens now? So Moses have been, has been being prepared for this for 40 years. Look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? So hang on a second. Hey, I know that at one time I was the guy who, who would have gone in, in, into hell with a squirt gun. But I'm not that guy anymore. I, I've, I have changed. I, I am not... Uh, the, the man that you think I am. In fact, 
I'm not even sure if I can handle this. In fact, Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of, out of Egypt? Well, things have changed. Things have changed dramatically. In fact, look over at, at um, chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, remember God's working on his heart. He's trying to help him to understand you are the one that will lead the Israelites out of slavery into freedom. And look at chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, well, what if they don't believe me? Or what if they don't listen to me? Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh, I, I'm not that eloquent. Uh, who... Uh, uh, neither in, in the past uh, have you spoken to me, your servant. Uh, I'm slow. My speech is not good. My tongue gets twisted. Please don't use me. Look at verse 13. Lord, will you pick somebody else to do this? Please. Wow. Wow. Things have changed. Things have flipped. The Moses who would kill an Egyptian to break up a fight, now is the Moses who's saying to God, surely there's somebody else that you can use. Surely there's somebody else that you can pick. Don't, don't pick me. Listen, let me, let me tell you about a lesson that's learned here. There's a tendency... For us to look at what we're studying here and say that God wanted to make Moses wait. But that's not true. God didn't make Moses wait to be used. Moses made God wait. Let me say that again. God didn't make Moses wait. Moses made God wait. You see, God wants to use you. He's ready to use you right now. The question is, are you making him wait? Because God's ready. He's always ready to use his people. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what are we doing to make God wait? Right? I don't know. Only you can answer what you're doing to cause God to wait to use you. And then let me share with you this last thing. What, what you see here in the life of Moses when you're looking at Exodus and, and you're looking at Acts as explaining the life of Moses is, is you're seeing uh, what always is true about God. And here, here's the truth. God's dreams are bigger than your dreams. They'll take you out of your comfort zone and they'll challenge you to do something bigger. God will always challenge you to do something bigger and he will always take you out of your comfort zone. You see, when God was preparing Moses' heart over those 40 years, he was preparing him to do something way bigger than Moses had any idea of. Moses thought he was probably being prepared to take out a few Egyptians for the kingdom. You know, I'll knock off one or two or three or four, make a scene like that, and then you'll be happy with me, God. And God said, no, that's not really the plan. 
The plan is I want you to go in and I want you to defy the Pharaoh. I want you to get into his face and say, let my people go. And I want you to grab all my people and we're going to march and we're going to get them out of here and we're going to split a river and walk right through it. No. That's not what I want to do. Pick somebody else to do it. You know how I am. That's what we all say. You know? I can't go on a mission trip. I'm too old. I can't go on a mission trip. I don't have the money. I can't teach a connect group because my speech is not that good. You know, we can't tithe because we're broke. I, and I get it. I completely get it. Please do not hear me making fun of you or making light of you. This is the struggle that Laura and I have. This is the struggle that we all face. Whatever you think God might help you do, we all think we're not qualified. It's, it's the lifelong struggle that we all have as believers. We all think we're not qualified. But let me tell you, he will qualify your call if you will let him. I, I promise you, the, the first time I told my dad that I was going to Africa, he said to me, why would you do that? And my dad's a believer. I mean, he was a strong believer. He was a deacon. I, I grew up in a good family. And when I told my dad I was going to Africa on a mission trip, he said, why would you do that? And I loved my dad. But I told my dad, I'm going because God called me. And he was okay with it. He thought I'd lost my mind. But he was okay with it. And do you know what? What else he did too? He wrote me a check to make sure that I could financially afford to go. That's the kind of thing that, that God places on your life. And we're not, you know, you hear me all the time. So you know I get hooked on talking about missions. And I get talked about East Asia or Jamaica or Africa and South America. You know, that you hear me banter those terminology all the time but please do not miss that God is calling you to be the light at your job to be the light in your classroom uh, to be the light at your house to be the light in your family that's your calling too and you may think well I'm not qualified I'm, I'm just the wife here uh, you know and, and my marriage is not that great. God can still use you. He can still take you. And he can still speak through you. At your job, in your marriage, at your school, wherever he's planted you, he will use you if you just allow him to. That's what Moses teaches us. You see... We all tend to think that Moses had this in, incredible, perfect life. He didn't. 
Moses had a pretty messed up middle of his life. About 40 years of discovering what God wanted to do with him. And the question is, will we take wherever we are in life right now, with whatever's happened to us, with whatever our past has brought into our way, and still realize that the God who created the universe wants to use me and wants to use you to do incredible things for his kingdom if we'll just approach him and listen for his call on our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you created us for a purpose. Father, don't let us hide from that purpose. God, will you chase after us? Will you help us to understand that our past does not have to define us, but our past can refine us to do what you want us to do for the kingdom? God, I know that there's many people that are listening this morning that are hurting, uh, that they have had some broken things in their past or they're in some brokenness right now in, in, in the midst of their life right now. God, would you teach them that you can take that brokenness and you can put that puzzle together and do the healing so that they can achieve the purpose that you have created them for. God, only you can do something like that. It's not us. So God, we ask that within your infinite grace and mercy that you would come into this place through the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would touch hearts so that they could feel you invade their lives to help them discover their purpose. God, as we enter this time of invitation, may you be glorified in all that happens. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.